Think about this. Our brains change. Memory is an amazing. What you think is in our there brains is aren't really finished. They're not fully cooked yet. You go with your heart. You we don't have any idea why yeah, we're, we're doing so smart. most of the things that we're doing. But here's the deal. When you're in a group of other people, people view you as being more attractive than if you're by yourself. Yeah. Then the question is, so what's going on? What's going All right. on? I'm Bob Duke. I'm Art Markman. I'm Rebecca McEnroy, and this is Two Guys on Your Head. Today, the cheerleader effect. So there's a lot of speculation. The, the, there, isn't, there isn't a complete explanation <laughs> of this yet. Yes. But one argument is that we've talked a lot on, on previous shows that, for example, when you think about memory, that memories are distributed throughout the brain. And actually, when you get down to vision, there's a lot of, of visual stuff that's also separated through the brain. There are different areas of the brain that look for edges, that look for particular features, and then combine that information. And so your perception of a complete face involves a you know, taking activity throughout the brain and then coordinating that in a way that, that allows the brain to recognize, oh, this thing is a face. But now, suppose we have a picture with several faces in it. Now you've got lots of features that are consistent with a bunch of different faces in it, all of which are occupying this same general area of space. And as a result, when you're looking at a whole bunch of those faces at the same time, your brain isn't necessarily at any given moment doing a great job of keeping track of exactly which features go with exactly which face. And so what you get with, a, with this kind of quick glance is a perception of a person's face that incorporates some averaging, some elements of some of the other faces that are surrounding it. Now, you might think, well, that, that should lead to a terrible looking face. But here's an interesting observation. So actually, Judy Langlois, who was, is a colleague of ours here in the psychology department at the University of Texas, one of, one of the, 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 the bits of research she did uh, is that if you morph a bunch of faces together, average them together, that the average face is typically judged to be more attractive than the component faces that went into that averaging. So in some sense, the argument of, about this cheerleader effect is that, you, is that the brain is doing a version of this kind of averaging or morphing. When you see a face in the context of a bunch of others, it's basically munging together the features of a bunch of these faces, which makes any particular face look somewhat more attractive than it would have looked had it appeared in isolation, where the only features you had to process were the, the features of that particular face. But the thing about the averaging, that's just conjecture on the, on the cheerleader effect, right? I that mean, is conjecture on I mean, the cheerleader effect. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, there's. It is consistent with our understanding of a lot of other aspects of perception, but it's it. it but but I don't think they can demonstrate that that's actually what's happening. And could it have anything to do with the fact that like other people appear to like you in that photo, mm. and so people want to like people who are liked already? Yeah, that's an interesting speculation, right? I mean, that, that when you're in a picture alone, you look unattractive because you're a loner. Yeah. Well, and you don't know. Like, people don't yeah. know, well, should I like them? Should I not like them? But if you have people around you and you all look happy like you like each other, it's like, yeah. oh, that person's liked. I'll like them too. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> but, yeah, but, but, but the question wasn't liked, right? I mean, the no, question no. was how attractive well, they but, are, right? But, but actually, it's, but it's, it's not clear that those are separate. So let's, let's, take, a, let's take a different example. So, so Denny Prophet has, has these, these data on the, your perception of the steepness of a hill. 
And, and he makes the argument in some of his studies that, that, that factors that would make that hill more difficult to climb make the hill appear steeper to you. Even so, though it's not steeper. Right, yeah. e right. So the very same hill, if you're carrying a heavy backpack or if you've been walking already for a long time so your legs are tired, the hill appears steeper than, than it appears if you're not carrying that backpack or if your legs aren't tired. The idea being that your visual system is combining the visual information with other information about how you would interact with that object or item uh, in your perception of it to give you a sense of, of what you can do in that situation. And Rob Gray, who is a uh, psychologist who studies sports, has some evidence that, the, that golfers see the hole, the, the, the hole they're putting towards, as larger when they're really locked in in a way where they're going to make the putt than when they don't. So again, the perceptual system seems to be combining information about interaction with the perceptual information. So you, you, I mean, consistent with that would be the idea that someone who appears to be approachable might look physically more attractive than somebody who looks unapproachable. And I, you know, I think one of the things is an important takeaway. That's right? idle speculation. By yeah. The way. <laughs> well, yeah. And that, that's the thing about the Schiller effect, right? I mean, we know that the responses are different in these two different contexts, but we really don't know what mechanisms are really causing that. But, but, I, but I think what we can say with some confidence is that we perceive the world incorporating many factors of what we're experiencing. And we think that when we look at something, our visual system is seeing just the visual components that are there, and we're interpreting just that, not recognizing that context affects everything that we perceive, whether it's color or human beings or difficulties of task or all those kinds of, kinds of things. And, and, and we tend not to think that way because inside of our own consciousness, it doesn't feel like that. It's like, I see that, I made a judgment about that, and I may be oblivious to the surrounding features that are having a tremendous influence on my judgment because it never occurs to me that those things have an influence on my judgment. So what, one thing that we've said on a couple other shows you know, we we tend to think we we see with our eyes, we hear with our ears, but actually we see with our brains, we hear with our brains, and our brains are interpreting the signals that are falling on our retinas or impinging on our tympanic membrane. I mean, all that stuff has to be interpreted by the brain. That interpretation involves incorporating many features that are actually in the environment and features that are already in our memory that can bind to lead to a perception. Next week, we'll talk about weaponizing anger with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. You can listen back to this show and find our entire archive at KUT.org or subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode wherever you get your podcasts. Also, next Tuesday night at the Cactus Cafe, join us for a Views and Brews when it's Two Guys on Your Head live at 6 o'clock. Doors are at 5.30. Views and Brews are free and open to the public, so we hope to see you there. David Alvarez, Jake Perlman, and Michael Crawford are our engineers. I'm Rebecca McEnroy, and I produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas.